Hey everybody, I am here with Liz. We're excited to be back with you for another week. Um, yes. Thank you to everybody who's been listening and writing in and telling us that you're enjoying it. Um, we appreciate hearing your feedback. Yeah, so totally we're just going to jump right in. I'm going to turn it over to you, Liz. Awesome. Okay, so we are going to talk about our highlights and lowlights of the week. <laughs> So my highlight, even though you will not be hearing this today, my highlight is that today is Halloween. <laughs> I forgot how much you love Halloween. I love Halloween because I love fall and um, everything that comes along with it. I love leaves. I love pumpkins. I love cold. But mostly I love Reese's peanut butter cups. And so... <laughs> While they can be enjoyed all year long, and I certainly do enjoy them all year long, um, for some reason, I especially enjoy them today. Nice. <laughs> and I'm a big fan and believer in uh, parental tax. Um, so in our house, it's mom tax. Love it. And that means I get a cut off the top. Um, <laughs> of the best I candy? To, yes, of the best candy. And I get to pick what that cut is. So... I'm very looking forward to this evening. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very good Liz day. <laughs> yes, this is all about me, children. Pick well. Pick well. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Amazing. And then my low for this week would just be um, – it's a low and a high in a way. Um, I do – some things uh, with some local schools here in East Nashville where we live. And there's just a lot of families having a, you know, a hard time right now for a lot of reasons. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we kind of live in a neighborhood that is really quickly being gentrified. And so I was reminded yesterday just about some of the hard times that a lot of our neighbors and friends are having. And at the same time, was reminded that kind of being presented those needs is an opportunity to get involved and to do something. So it is kind of one of those like flip, flip it and make it good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Lows. But yesterday I just had this moment where I was like, this is really heavy for a lot of people. Um, but I'm also thankful for the opportunity to do something about those things in the ways that I know how. Yeah. And yeah. Everybody, Liz is being as modest as possible by saying she does some things with some schools. You're sweet. <laughs> she does a whole lot and with the support of really great people in the community. Yeah, and yeah. really a lot of support. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my high is that I had a student who was um, in a past yoga teacher training who wasn't able to complete just due to some stuff she had going on in life. And so she came and did a makeup session with me, and it was really fun. I love um, it. It's great to have that time one-on-one -on -one with students and just kind of be able to dig in where people are. Um, and I'm not doing teacher training this year, so I got a little taste of it in that makeup session, which was great. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. It made me miss all our past students and be excited for your students next year. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, Milo is also just, there's just been so many hard things happening. I mean, I feel like that's true every single week, but this week it just feels especially yeah. apparent. Yeah. And I feel like I go back and forth between grief and rage and like, how are we not all seeing the systemic right. oppression leading to all yeah. of this garbage? Yeah. Um, but 
you know, we're working on it, I guess, hopefully. Yeah. So I think in my more uh, less ragey, maybe moments, <laughs> um, though, I feel like rage is also needed in, yeah. in doing good work. Um, I feel like our work is really to find our peace and like yeah. give our hearts and our time to that. And that the more okay. of us that are doing that, the better, which is, you know, exactly what you're doing with your work in East Nashville. And um, I just hope that we'll all continue to do that. And yeah. it feels like a good thing to be thinking about. I mean, number one, all the time, but um, number two, as we are leading right up to the corner of the midterm elections in the US. Yeah. And this is just your friendly reminder from me and Liz to vote if you're able. Yes. Please vote if you're <laughs> um, able to. Those of us who are able to really should uh, exercise that. Yeah. And it leads us into actually our next segment, Corner of the Curve. So one of our curvy yoga teachers is named Beth Silvers. Yeah. And she is the co-host of a great podcast called Pantsuit Politics. Uh, actually, as well as another one, which you'll hear about in our conversation. And this conversation like could not be coming at a better time for us to share yeah. on the podcast. Um, she shares some really great insights into yoga practice. I especially liked what she said about there is not good at it or not good at it in yoga. It's right. really about just like doing it and showing okay. up and meeting yourself where you are. And then she talks at the end of the podcast about some ways to channel your political energy and frustration um, in ways that are productive and helpful, and also how not to use yoga to check out through things like love, light, and positivity, which just made me want to gouge my eye out with a spoon. I <laughs> I can't handle it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we need hope and optimism, but there's a difference between that yes. and and seeing the full context of everything versus yes. just being like, hopefully this love and light will help. Bye. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm like, bye to that. So yeah. and with uh, no further ado, here is our conversation with Beth. Here it is. Okay. Hi, everybody. Liz and I are here with Beth Silvers, a person who I adore and I'm excited to introduce you to. So Beth is based in Union, Kentucky, and she was a member of our spring 2014 yoga teacher training group. And when I was writing that down, Beth, I was like, oh my gosh, it's been four years since you finished. Hard to believe. I cannot believe that. Four years. Wow. Know, the time really flies. So Beth is the co-host of two incredible podcasts that I faithfully listen to every single week, Pantsuit Politics and The Nuanced Life. And she did a Pantsuit Politics event in Nashville while I still lived there. And getting to see her in her element was the absolute best. <laughs> I, I remember telling you something afterwards along the lines of, I could really see you living your yoga in those moments. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. It was the biggest deal to me that you came oh. because if I am living my yoga, it's the yoga that you taught me. So it's oh, so awesome that. to see yeah. you in this way. Yeah. It's beautiful how it goes out in so many different ways. Yes. 
So Beth has a book coming out February 2019, which I have already pre-ordered with her (laughs) podcast co-host, Sarah Stewart Holland, called I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, A Guide to Grace-Filled Political Conversations. So we cannot get that book in our hands soon enough, I don't think. Anna, are you mentioning this because you think I need to read it? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we all do. Yeah. (laughs) It's timely. I think it's timely. That's for sure. Um, Beth also has her own life and business coaching practice called Checking In with Beth Silvers, in which she draws on her 11 years of experience with a large Midwestern law firm as an attorney and human resources executive to support people in realizing their goals. So welcome, Beth. I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much. I was just listening to that thinking, it's an odd mix of things that are part of my (laughs) life experience, but that's kind of living your yoga too, I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. It's such a circuitous thing. Yes. So what Liz and I are interested in talking about is really digging in with you on your real life yoga and body acceptance practices. And I feel like you're such a good person to talk about this because you are really all about nuance, both in your life and on your podcast. And I feel like this is so relevant to yoga practice. So where I'd like to start is what did the idea of yoga practice mean to you when you first started? And what does it mean to you now? I was so indescribably intimidated by the idea of a yoga practice when I first started. It took me a very long time. Like I kept driving by a studio. Maybe I'll go in today, maybe not. Just because, you know, I don't have a willowy body. And I had this really defined picture of what people who practice yoga are like, and I didn't meet many of the criteria in my mind. And so it really took following you and on social media to, to hear somebody inviting me in to the yoga practice. Like here, here you are in your body, Beth, you are invited as well. Mm. And so when I started, I think the idea of practice took me a long time to understand because it seemed to me like just a task right? I need to exercise. I will go to yoga class and do that. And I will be good at it or not good at it. And I assumed not good at it (laughs) and and probably um, shared with myself early on that I was not good at it. But then I had a, I had a really great instructor. I was following you online. And I think the combination of those things helped me understand that good at it and not good at it don't really exist. That's not what we're showing up for. And so it helped me develop this understanding that we just need to keep showing up, that that is the practice, that you just keep coming back to it and you keep coming into your body and just seeing where it is today and trying to give it something that it needs every time you come to the mat. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's to cross stitch on a pillow, as you would say on your podcast. Good good at it and not good at it don't exist. That's so great. (laughs) So what has surprised you most about working with your own body acceptance? That I can have any sense of it at all. Is that an answer? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, because look, I think that I fall into the trap that lots of women fall into, which is sort of 
having internalized this idea that I am supposed to not like my body and I'm particularly supposed to not like it because it doesn't look like it came off of a magazine cover. And so for me, just the fact that I have days when I think I'm very happy with this body or thanks feet for carrying me around all day today or whatever it is. Thanks hips for helping, helping me birth these kiddos. Um, It's a really big deal to have any access to, to positive emotion around my body. Yeah, that's good. And I'm curious, so what, what does your real life these days, yoga and or body acceptance practice look like? Well, I think that body acceptance has become a bigger challenge for me because of the podcast. Mm. When you, as you probably have experienced, when you have like an internet thing where a group of people know you from your life on the internet, uh, it, it becomes strangely public really fast. Yeah. And so, um, especially as we've started to do more live events and see people, not just be voices in their earbuds, I've really had to dig into (laughs) my body is what it needs to be. You know, Mm. it's like, it's been really kind of challenging to work with that. Yeah. But what I keep telling myself, and, and this really draws on your work too, Anna, and, and the work of others is just, it is such a big deal to see bodies that look like yours walking yeah. around in the world non-apologetically and yeah. doing things that are exciting and that are inspiring. And so I have really tried to resist the urge to like crash diet and, and do crazy things, especially as our book is coming out and I know I'm going to be out and about even more. I'm really just trying to say like, listen, be who you are because that is – it's been a gift to you when other people just walk around as who they are. Yeah. And if we can all let go of, I'm trying to be a certain thing, we'll all feel better and happier. And just in terms of my real life yoga practice. So that's sort of what's in my head all the time. My real life yoga practice is mostly a home practice at this point. I teach in a studio once a week. I teach a yin class. Um, I've taught bunches of classes since I did my training four whole years ago, which I can't, believe still. Um, I love teaching beginner yoga. It just didn't fit into my schedule um, this year. But I'm teaching yin once a week. I love that. And I try to do at least a yin practice in my home practice every day to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, Because I feel like I can't teach it effectively if I'm not doing it on my own. And then I do some other practices here and there. Yeah, I'm curious about that last thing you said about what you bring into your teaching from your own practice, how do you kind of approach that? Are you noticing what's coming up for you and then bringing it into class or what's your process around that? I think it's a bunch of things, but one of the things that's been most important to me, you know, because I don't um, have the average yoga teacher's body, I guess, or the expected yoga teacher's body, I feel like a really welcoming part of my classes has been being just like you, first time student who comes into the studio. Mm -hmm. And so I try in my own practice to think about like what enters my brain when I start a new pose or when I'm working with a really challenging pose for me. So a a real tangible example of this, last night I instructed um, cat pulling its tail. Do you know the pose I'm talking about? Oh my gosh, yes. I love that one. (laughs) 
yeah. So I love it too. I also remember when I didn't love it at all. <laughs> and so I try to talk people through it and say, and, and just make it funny that it's challenging, you know? So I'll say things like, we're going to start here and maybe this twist is where you stop. If you want to add on, you can consider starting to move the toe in the direction direction of your face. If that sounds ridiculous, that's cool too. And I think <laughs> just trying to take what is my inner monologue during my practice and verbalize it in my class, you can just see students relax. You know, I'm trying to dispense with you're good at it or not good at it for them by drawing on what comes up for me when I practice. Yeah, it's like a reciprocal thing where you're doing that for yourself and that lets you do it for the students and vice versa. Yes. And that pose in particular, I feel like is also a mental challenge because it's not usually how you would put your body together because there's so many different things <laughs> happening. Well, and it's so challenging in a yin practice because it's this wonderful pose once you find the shape that you want to be in, you know, your version of it. But it's so complicated that it really takes you out of that sort of meditative space, I think. Yeah. So I try to just acknowledge that too. Okay, we've moved a lot. We've thought through this a lot. Now we have to find our way back in And I just don't think I could um, offer that kind of verbalization without really working through it in my own practice very consistently. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So how would you describe what yoga off the mat looks like for you? I know earlier we talked about it a little bit. Anna said that she could see you living your yoga when you were here um, and she came to watch you. But what what does that look like for you to live your yoga off the mat? The first place I really started to think about this was in my work while I was doing human resources work, because I think specifically yoga teacher training helped me consider how everybody is doing their best in whatever circumstance they're in. Mm -hmm. And I don't always know what is helping them do their best and what is holding them back. Yep. Yeah. And so the kinds of instructions that I learned from teacher training, just what would it be like if you tried this instead of you're really sucking at this? You know what I mean? Like just (laughs) I think it gave me a whole new way to approach feedback and to and to even get in the mindset of let's treat each other as students instead of in this hierarchical way. Yeah. And so I think once you start to see people Um, with the whole of what they are and understanding how much you don't see that's really significant in what's in their operating systems, that's been super helpful. And now I think that I talk about politics all the time. Um, You know, living my yoga is a whole lot about groundedness. Yeah. So I think about tree pose a lot, you know? Mm. (laughs) It sounds like um, when we were talking earlier about your book that's coming out, it sounds like that's just what you just described, like being gracious to people and not always understanding where people are come from, coming from, whether we're talking about yoga or we're talking about politics. Um, and I, I totally resonate with that, just the idea of um, when I went through yoga teacher training, being gracious with myself, being gracious with my students, and then kind of taking that into the rest of my life as well. And experiencing people being gracious towards me um, and 
having a better understanding of what that looks like in all of your relationships. I love that. Well, it's really infectious when you're surrounded with it. Yeah, you know, totally. it's just yeah. we just don't have enough of it. And I think the other thing that is really helpful about that graciousness, it also reminds you that things don't have to be static. Mm. So I loved considering, and this is why I think about tree pose a lot, that like our balance day to day is not this linear progression of I'm going to constantly be able to access balance more easily. Yeah. And I feel like, especially politically, if we could just learn that things don't have to be static, that would do a lot to help us move forward. (laughs) Yeah, that would be, it's hard hard to even find a word for what that would be. So kind of jumping onto this, what we're talking about, I'm curious how you feel these days about things like maybe not practicing as much as you'd like to, having differing energy and interest levels in your practice as time goes on. If those were things that ever bothered you, has how you feel about them now changed? And if they never bothered you, why? How do you kind of think about that? Well, they've totally bothered me. I think especially after my daughter was born, my second daughter, I just really lost, I don't know if interest is the right word, but I lost some connection to my practice. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't practicing. I felt like I wanted to collapse instead of practice every moment that maybe I could have. And I, I was pretty hard on myself about that for a while because I thought like, for God's sake, Beth, like you're a yoga teacher. You're, this is not <laughs> supposed to happen. Right. And actually you were supposed to be doing this every single day of your pregnancy with delight and returning <laughs> to your mat after breastfeeding to find this to be this really nourishing thing for you. And it just wasn't like that for me. And I think that how, how I have so easily slipped back into my practice um, has been really comforting. And I don't mean oh, I have all the flexibility or strength that I had before she was born. She's three now. I still don't. Mm -hmm. But I have also really felt in a very deep and um, tangible way that the practice is still here for me. And I I am not lost. I know what I'm doing. It serves me differently than before, but in some of the same ways, too. And it's just kind of reminded me that yoga is available, you know, and, and it's not going to get mad at me and break up with me because I took a hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. And it's like you're letting it ebb and flow with where you are in your life, which I think is what really helps us create a practice that will stay with us as long as we want it to. Yeah. And I think it gets you out of that. I'm good at this or not space again. Like that's a perpetual lesson that I'm going to be learning till they bury me. You know, I'm (laughs) I'm like, I am always going to be working on, I'm not, I don't have to be the best at this or I'm not being graded. But I think a big part of really internalizing the idea that yoga is just being here together with my brain and my body is being willing to kind of ride those changes and those seasons. Yeah. So what advice would you have um, for someone who maybe wanted to get started in yoga but wasn't really sure where to begin, felt maybe how you felt um, like you were talking about earlier before you started practicing? Um, So what advice would you have for someone who felt a little bit stuck 
Um, and also maybe someone who is just kind of digging into the idea of body acceptance and what that might look like for them. Well, I think that if you are considering yoga and feeling a little bit stuck around that, the internet is a beautiful thing. And I would encourage you to just explore the internet for different yoga personalities and yoga practices on YouTube. Like a great realization for me was that there aren't yoga police um, <laughs> telling everyone, this is how you do your class. Right. And so when you understand that what you're really looking for, it's kind of like finding a therapist or a friend yeah. or anything else. Like you just have to try different people on. Totally. And find a place where there's chemistry and something that really works for you. And I think the internet is a really safe way to just understand that, to kind of get oh. that in your mind. It Absolutely. can also be a place that reinforces all of your worst fears about classes. And so you can <laughs> yeah. knock that out in your home too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I think, you know, going, going to a studio, trying different instructors, asking questions at the studio, like saying, you know, I want a beginner practice or I want a practice that's going to be friendly or I have this knee injury. I'm worried about it. Yeah. Um, and just paying attention to how they respond. Yeah. Cause you'll know really fast. Absolutely. Totally. Really fast. If this is a place you want to be or not. Yep. Um, and then sticking with it, you know, not like I wouldn't go to one class and make that my decision point about whether yoga is for me or not. I really do yeah. think that you have to shop around and then also let your body really try it out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously we believe that yoga is not one size fits all. <laughs> And so you do have to kind of find a class that works for you and um, shop around. Yeah, you're totally right. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. I think it's also important to um, know that your body often benefits from the things that do not feel good. Because I think another thing that's floating out there about yoga is, well, you're going to just feel amazing. Yeah. Right. You probably aren't for, like a, for a long time. I mean, I feel like you, that is a learned sensation. Yeah. And so just have have the expectation of I'm going to go try this. I'm going to see how it is for me. And I'm going to keep showing up for a couple of weeks, yep. you know, and then I'll decide what I want to do next. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I love that. Well, and I think part of what you're saying, which is so important, is if you find a class and you're like, oh, I don't like this teacher or I didn't feel that great, you don't have to take it personally. It doesn't mean anything yeah. about you. It's just finding that good fit for you. Totally. Yes, because the truth is, like, there is a yoga for you, whatever yes. your body is. Like, yeah. any situation. I mean, I've had students with ALS, I mean, with all kinds of things going on, who, who have said to me, I didn't think I could do this. Yeah. And if you are working with the right instructor, could is just not on the table. There yeah. is there is something available for you. It's just finding the place that that welcomes you in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I cannot not ask you this since part of your work involves the news. How do you think about living your yoga in that regard and or how do you try to maintain your sanity? <laughs> I mean, I need tips, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the first thing I'll say. I get really uh, prickly about 
a lot of the advice in the yoga world to just totally disconnect from that stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's I agree. so much out there of like, oh, this is just not good for me. Okay, well, it's it's going to affect you one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> participating in it seems superior to me to turning it off. And yeah. a huge principle in our book that we talk about is like our politics and our news are so um, overwhelming because so many people have walked away from it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We like how much better would our world be if more yoga teachers were tuning in for the news and participating in the political process. So that's where I always start. Like, please participate in some way. Yeah. And then I think the, the living your yoga part is that dealing with politics is also a practice. And there are going to be times when you do need a little news fast. And there are going to be times when you feel, much more connected to it than others and staying grounded throughout that entire process and just paying attention to where you are, what's really important. Something we talk a lot about on Pansy Politics is like, what is your work to do? You don't need to listen to the news and get frenzied about every single topic. Yeah. If you start to think about this and just notice what comes up for you, I think you'll know what the right level of your personal participation is. That might mean that occasionally you call your senator's office. It might mean that you vote in an informed way and encourage other people to do that. Maybe you do get really attached to a cause. But I think the trouble, especially for people who think of themselves as empathetic and maybe a lot of things that we associate with yoga is like you go into this and you become so burdened by the whole thing. But that would be like coming to your mat and feeling like I must fix every ache in my pain, ache and pain in my body immediately through this one practice. Yeah. And that's just not how it works. You know, you you just kind of have to follow what is really calling out to you and allowing space for that to shift with time. And then I think you can approach it all from a more grounded place. But with that central understanding that like we are all connected to each other exactly what yoga teaches, you know, we, we connect so that we understand that oneness. There, there is no place to live that out more than paying attention to how we live in community with each other. Yeah, that's so good. Yes, that's showing up that you mentioned earlier, really being there for the unfolding. Yes, and allowing some things to unfold. I think a big part of the reason everything is so ugly right now is we don't give each other any room to move. We don't allow for any unfolding. It's just this or that, which are you picking? Right. Yeah. That's why you're bringing the nuance in. Yeah. And that's yoga, right? It's not, um, I feel amazing or terrible. Right. Yep. And not even good at this, bad at this. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, or that whole idea of like a full expression of a pose. I mean, give me a break. It's just, this is the shape that I'm making with my body. I'm moving toward these things yeah. and it's going to have some benefits and those benefits are going to be different at different times. Yeah. And if I take it too far, there can be injury, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like we came up with the idea for your next book. There you go. <laughs> Political yoga. That's, I mean, that would be really popular. So. <laughs> I think, like, it I think that maybe three whole people would want that book. <laughs> well, there's three of us right here. So there we go. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up here, Beth? Oh, I just think that what you all do is such a gift to the world. I really do. Um, I it, it gave me courage to experience a whole world that I didn't know existed. And I would not 
have gone into that world because I I really thought if I wasn't buying stuff at Lululemon every day um, (laughs) and buying my groceries in that apparel, that (laughs) this wasn't for me. And so it's really been awesome to understand like it is for me in in all seasons of my life. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for everybody listening. And go pre-order Beth's book. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So next segment, Curvy Collab. So this is just where we're going to share a resource. So I have a resource for you this week. Um, As you're learning, probably... um, Anna's resources will be books and podcasts and things that are great for your brain. And mine will be more shallow. (laughs) (laughs) Another way to say that is Liz is more fun than I am. (laughs) That's not what that means at all. (laughs) My resources are going to cost you money (laughs) and make you want to buy a whole new wardrobe. So I, you know, the like creepy Instagram has been listening to my conversations and posts, you know, some advertisement for something. So that happened. I actually texted you immediately and was like, have you heard of this company called Mega Babe? Oh, right. And they make like a, like anti-chafe stick for the inner thighs. And they make, they have like several different products. Yes. And I mentioned it to another friend and asked her if she had heard about it because she's kind of like a product junkie. And I specifically mentioned the bust dust because we were talking about boob sweat, which is not an issue for her, but is a major issue for me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I got like a sample size of the bust dust in like, she gets one of those like monthly subscriptions where you get products. I'm not oh, yeah. sure which mm-hmm. one it is. She was like, do you want it? I'll never use it. And I was like, I can't believe that you didn't call me when you got it. Tell me that you had this because this is a discussion that we've had before. We are no longer friends. Um, <laughs> so she, I, I immediately that day got the bus dust from her. And it's amazing. Oh, good. So, if you have boobs <laughs> or if you live somewhere that's like hot or humid, um, or you're just like sweaty, I'm just sweaty, then you have to get this stuff. So you can like literally spray it on. You don't even have to put it on your skin. You can put it like in your bra or you can spray it on your skin. Nice. And I'm telling you like changed my whole life or at least the area underneath my boobs. Wow. So much less sweaty. Now, obviously, check the ingredients. I don't think it's, like, vegan or anything like that. But mm-hmm. there is, like, chamomile in it and lavender and aloe. And I think it's got cornstarch instead of talcum powder because I know, like, that's an issue for a lot of people. But the company is Mega Babe. Check them out. Again, They do, I'm totally going to try that anti-chafing stick now, too. Oh, yeah. It's um, probably great. everything else that they have. So <laughs> check it out. I can't attest to anything else being amazing, but I can tell you that uh, the bus dust was great. And I will add a plus one on that because my sister is also obsessed with the bus dust. Amazing. It yeah. was so – that's right. You did tell me that your sister used it. Mm-hmm. She's like yeah. – she was the same, like, she called me and she was like, this is so great. She was yes. really excited about it. Yeah. Um, awesome. So, yeah. That's a good one. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. 
All right. So we are going to share our gratitude for the week. So Liz, what is yours? So my gratitude this week is I, as you've already heard me mention, I have a teenager and then I have another child who's like almost a teenager. And so because of that, um, and because of some of the things I mentioned earlier that I do, I'm surrounded by teenagers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know far more teenagers than adults. And I feel (laughs) like, um, that is what helps me be in a really hopeful place. Hmm. Um, because I get to spend a lot of my time with some really incredible young people who are just way smarter than us and see things way more clear than we do. And they are hopeful and excited about their opportunities to affect the future. Mm. And they're stronger and have more clear opinions. And um, yeah, I don't know. Something about having the opportunity to be with them um, gives me hope that maybe things aren't going to get better tomorrow, um, but that some of these kids are really going to make an incredible impact um, just in this country. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to be like immersed in them (laughs) and the hope that that kind of gives me for where things may go. I may not even be here anymore, but um, where things will be hopefully um, in the future. Yeah. Kids, don't rush your lives, but also rush your lives. Please do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so mine is actually similar to your earlier highlight. Um, It is Halloween candy. Yes. Um, I'm all about the Baby Ruth and 100. I got a bag that had Baby Ruth, 100 Grand, Crunch, and Butterfinger. Yes, with Butterfingers. I'm just going to have a few and then I'll leave some for the kids. There's like three no. left probably. Yes, <laughs> you need to go to the store as soon as we get off. <laughs> Luckily, we already had some other ones. So I'm like, oh, this one just won't be going out. Perfect. That's fine. Um, and I'm excited about Halloween this year. I don't really like Halloween because it creeps me out a little bit. Yes. Um, but when we were in Nashville, I mean, you were at the different houses that I lived in while I was there. Yes. Um, none of them were, the houses aren't close to the street. So we never really got trick or treaters. Yeah. Um, but here the houses are close to the street and they're all close together. So I think we're going to have a lot of kids come by. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited for you. Yeah, it'll be fun. (laughs) I'll get to hopefully mostly see cute and funny costumes and not any creepy ones, but. Yes. I feel like in Portland, there better be some real creative stuff going on. That's true. Yeah, there probably will. (laughs) I realize I just stereotyped your city, but. (laughs) That's a good one. I like it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, if you participate in Halloween, even though you are not hearing this today, happy Halloween. That's right. (laughs) We hope that you had a good one and that you ate some candy. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, so we are just going to wrap things up together by taking a deep breath. Inhale. And exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.